everybody. Welcome to the Teardown. This is normally when you hear Jeff Gluck, but, well, Jeff, why don't you explain? I'm not sure I can explain, but um, <laughs> hi, everybody. You know, <clears throat> if you're a religious person, you might think this is a sign from above that I lost my voice during this race today. I was I had enough of a voice at the tweet up to talk to everybody, but during the race, it magically went away. And of all the races to not be able to rant about and talk fully about, it's this one, the Texas tire debacle. So here we are. Did NASCAR and our Texas Motor Speedway maybe slip something into your water? I, I'm not ruling that out 100%. I'm just saying I, I could see it happening conceivably around like lap 200. They just said, you know what? We got to silence Gluck because we know what he's going to say today. And we just cannot have it. You know, maybe it was self-sabotage. Maybe I just... <laughs> strangled my vocal cords so i was like you know I, I can't i can't afford to go on the podcast and talk about this uh i can't afford another rant uh, like that it's, it's just gonna get me in too much trouble this week jordan <laughs> <laughs> well i mean in all fairness i mean there there's a lot to rant about here um i, I don't even know where you start but this race overall it is fair to say this was a dumpster fire this was not good this is not what a playoff race should be and that's saying something our expectations for Texas Motor Speedway are always low regardless just because we this track doesn't deliver more often than not. And whatever, however low our expectations were going into today, they weren't even met. They, I mean, this was, this was bad. This is as bad as it gets at this facility. There's a lot of reasons for this, and we're going to get into that. But, Jeff, let, let's hear your thoughts first. Well, excuse me. You would take a boring race over a tire issue race. You know what I mean? That's yeah. not – you you cannot have your competitors strive all year long to make the playoffs and then get into a into a situation where it's sort of Russian roulette with the tires or a coin flip of the tires to see if they last or not. Now, I understand from and I'm sorry, it I don't see my voice getting much better. So if you don't want to listen to this full podcast, I understand. Uh, I'm trying to do my best here and power through. But listen, I mean from first of all, from Goodyear's perspective and NASCAR's perspective, let's start there. Goodyear is, you know, feels very strongly still that most of these tire issues are because teams are not running the recommended air pressures. They are running, you know, teams have figured out, hey, this next gen car, they're all so even. We're all running the same parts and pieces. So what do we have to do to find speed? We've got to push it on air pressures. That's where speed is. And especially in the playoffs. There's a heightened sense of we've got to do what we can. You've seen it, Kansas, Bristol, now here to an extreme. But at the same time, you know, I, I think the teams have an expectation like, well, the, the line can't be this fine between getting speed and completely popping the tires. I mean, you saw three different leaders tonight, Chase Elliott, Kevin Harvick, Martin Truex Jr. blow tires while leading. Um, you saw playoff drivers with problems, and we've seen it for weeks now. NASCAR. Um, Scott Miller just spoke to us at the hauler and, uh, you know, his take is, is similar to Goodyear's, you know, Hey, we're talking to the teams about what air pressures are running and the teams that ran conservative air pressures did not have these problems. They made it a full fuel run. That's, that's NASCAR's take. That's Goodyear's take. Now, again, the drivers and teams, um, are, are not very happy about it, but some like track house said like Suarez and Chastain were both like, Hey, we knew that this was a potential problem we went on the conservative side and look, we made it to the end. You know, they finished. 
But is that what you want your playoff races to be? You know, just a, a survival race where you, you can't go hard the whole the whole time because you're worried about the tires popping. Um, the loads in these corners with this car um, are very high. The resin, they were saying, makes that much faster because the, that just all that does is increase the corner speeds on top of what you already had. So Tyler Reddick theorized, okay, maybe it's that we've found more speed in these cars if they've gone on as the year's gone on. So you have faster cars. The resin's making them faster corner speed. After the rain uh, delay, the lightning delay tonight, it cooled down. The track cooled down, so you were going even faster. Um, and the faster you go with these loads, the tire, if you're running you know, air pressures to get you in the lead, it might not hold up. So where does the blame fall on that? There's a lot of blame to go around. Maybe, um, it's not an ideal situation for anybody, but I don't know where, I don't know who to point the finger at. Well, here's my issue with that. And I'm not trying to put all the, the blame on Goodyear. Cause I think there's a lot of blame to go around here with a lot of different parties and almost equally to some degree though. Here's my message with Goodyear is rarely, if ever, do we ever hear Goodyear say, Hey, that's our fault. Like, you know, that's on us. And we've heard this over and over again. It's the teams, it's the teams, it's the teams. But to your point, and I agree with you, it's like you, you have to build a tire, and it's not easy, but you have to build a tire where there's a little bit more of a window there between we. it's going to be completely hard and it's going to last to it's going to blow out and it's going to be complete chaos. You're going to basically have to flip a coin and hopefully get to the end of the race. And that can't be. You, you can't have races like this, and it's too many times we have seen this happen where Goodyear just kind of throws up their hands. Not, not our fault. Not our fault. Nothing I can do here. You know, whatever. Blame the teams. Okay. That's an easy out. And even the teams that were conservative and track house was one of them and good and good for them. they figured it out. Maybe they got lucky too. Like, you know, that's part of it. Like we don't know that, but Tyler Reddick and his team, they said they went conservative and Randall Burnett said, well, they started having issues. They saw these issues cropping up. They went even more conservative. And they still were having a little bit of an issue at the end of the race where Reddick was hearing vibration. And it was a concern of them of, are we going to make it to the finish? Like, So even if you go conservative, there's no guarantees. And it, did, it wasn't a manufacturer thing tonight. It, it wasn't a team thing tonight because you saw this across the board. It, it just seems like there's a – obviously there's an issue with the car and, and the loads that's putting on. That, that cannot be denied. Um, and, and I still go back to the fact that like – no matter what you do, like there is repeated problems at this track, like over and over and over again. And it doesn't matter what. And it just this is a bad combination. And this is a combination that needs to change in a bad way. And and Kyle Larson made a really great point this weekend when he said the only way you're gonna fix Texas Motor Speedway is to blow it up and start from scratch. And that is right. Because every intermediate track Nearly every intermediate track this year with this car has produced great racing. And you haven't seen these tire issues like to this level. And yet today on this track, what do we have? Bad racing and tire issues. And not blaming entire Texas Motor Speedway entirely on this, but at some point, they, they, there has to be enough. They, there has to be change and there has to be significant change. And this track needs to be blown up and, and, and started from scratch because you cannot continue to race there on this configuration. There are other issues to address with the tires and the car, but it doesn't seem like it matters what car or what tire combination you bring to Texas motor speedway. It is going to be bad. Well, I, I think you've hit on separate issues there, you know, and it's a bunch of things coming together. Texas sucks. 
right? We know that regardless of tire issues. So what you do with Texas is a completely different conversation in a way. Um, and, and I think there's, that's a definite, you know, a conversation to be had, but you also want these tires to last, um, for these key playoff races. This tire is the same tire. It's going to be used in Las Vegas in two mm -hmm. weeks. And it's going to be uh, hot three there weeks. too. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a day race. You don't know if it's going to be hot there. Now they won't have the resin probably like was here. And so maybe that's a little bit different, but, um, you know, I, I guess the, the one thing about, you know, just to play devil's advocate uh, about the Goodyear portion of it, if, if they're giving recommended air pressures and the teams don't run them, what, I mean, can you take that much blame? I mean, they're, they're saying, Hey, run these. Now it sounds like none of the teams are running exactly those air pressures because then they'd be running last. So everybody's pushing it, but the conservative teams were more close to the recommended air pressure than the others. And, you know, maybe their tires last longer. I, I don't, like you said, there's probably a amount of luck in it too, because was every single person with a problem, a tire problem tonight pushing it? I, I don't know. I mean, NASCAR's Scott Miller, again, he was saying the teams that made it were more conservative on their setups yeah. and their air pressures. So that's that's their stance. I mean, you're going to have sort of like this battle of words probably between the, you know, the drivers and teams in NASCAR now. But, again, I feel like nobody wins in this. I mean, no, there's nobody's, nobody nobody's wanting to go out and crash from the lead. If people want to – I mean, it's it's, it's just – but it, it just ruins the racing when this kind of stuff happens. It's just – it's miserable. Um you don't get to see the playoffs play out how it's supposed to be. We talked about this sort of thing with like the mechanical issues with the power steering at Bristol, stuff like that. I mean, I mean, Dale, Dale Jr. You know, the first 18 minutes of his podcast last week, I, I, with the one with Tony Glover, if you haven't listened to that, he talks about the tire issues so perfectly. The first time, you know, he, I think he went to the Goodyear factory and they were showing him, Hey, this is going to be this lower profile tire. And he was like, uh, I'm not sure that's the direction to go in, you know, but here's the thing too. This is what it is now. I mean, this is the car. This is the tire. You know, it's a wider tire. It's lower profile. What are they going to do now? They can't change it. You'd have to change the complete design of the car. So yeah. what are you going to do? Back to the conversation we had last week. It's like this car, you're so far down the road with this car, like making big sweeping changes with it is going to be expensive. And it's the same thing with the tires. Like, how do you figure this out? And, you almost have to look at how you got to this point of how you built a car with this next gen car that puts these kind of loads and uh, on this tire and it increases cornering speeds because drivers aren't lifting. Right. So it, it's just a bad combination. And it's just like, you, you just have to step back and say, how, how do you figure this out without, putting everyone down a hole where they're just going to be throwing money and money at money and more money at it. I, I don't see an avenue for that. That's the, that's the frustrating thing. My, my overall um, emotion coming out of this kind of thing is I just feel kind of um, kind of bummed and sad for everybody because um, I don't feel like sometimes stuff happens in NASCAR. It gets me super fired up and mad, obviously, if you've ever listened to this podcast before tonight, um, but oh, this one, <laughs> yeah, this one just bums me out because I feel like, I mean, obviously NASCAR doesn't want this. This is not what NASCAR wants. This is not what Goodyear wants. This is not what the teams want. It's not what the fans want. Like the, the box that everybody's in now, um, 
it's just a bunch of circumstances of bunch of from of a bunch of various decisions sort of all intersecting in a bad place. And we talked about how this is the best season ever. Um, now it might sort of be like, well, it was the best regular season ever, but the playoffs are not off to a good start. The playoffs have been marred by all sorts of, you know, the fires with the, at Darlington with, with Harvick and, and the mechanical stuff. Um, you know, the, the power steering now tire issues, um, you know, it hasn't been about the racing. Like, oh man, this is a great race. I love this. This was so awesome for the most part, right? Um, and it's a shame. It's a shame. I think we all deserve better. Everybody does. Um, the way the season's been going, it was so promising to have this spectacular playoff run and wide open. Who's gonna Who's gonna seize it? We're four races in. You still haven't had a playoff driver who's actually still in the playoffs win a race. Um, and, you know, the playoff contenders, you know, we, we last week we talked, oh, Christopher Bell, you know, he, he's, you know, he's the new, uh, new championship favorite. He spins out twice with flat tires, can't finish the race. Um, you know, Chase Elliott, oh, wow. Here's the storyline. Chase Elliott is seizing momentum. He's been bad at Texas, but now he's leading. Oh, I wonder what this means. Pop. Oh, there goes his tire. You know, you're like, oh, man, this is just. Or Martin Truex Jr. Like, hey, he's had a really frustrating regular season. This is an opportunity to salvage it and get back to victory lane and, and kind of get a, a high in a season filled with lows. And to your point, pop, there there goes that. RFK Racing on the rebound, looking good, right? On the upswing. They win last week. Chris Busher this week looks like he's got the fastest car at the end of the race. He's up to third. He spins out. I mean, it's just, it's this thing. Yeah, you're right. You make a really good point of like these playoffs have been about everything but the racing. Like we really has been. I mean, outside of the finish at Kansas, which was really good with between Bubba and Denny, it really hasn't been about the racing. I mean, I would say the last few laps at Darlington were too, but again, it, everything up to that point was about everything else. It's just such a shame. It really is. I mean, I don't know how else to put it. Um, it's disappointing. It's really disappointing. I, I hope it gets better and turns around, but I'm not feeling optimistic because of uh, the teams are going to continue to push the tire issues. The drivers are going to continue to take hard hits with this car. I mean, Alex Bowman today talking about he couldn't believe his car was running. It's the hardest he's ever wrecked in a car. And this is a guy who once wrecked a dirt car and was in the hospital in like intensive care when he was younger. And he said today yep. was the hardest hit he's ever had. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of problems going on. Then you have the short tracks are are a problem, right? Like uh, Martinsville is, you know, nobody feels optimistic about that. And it's just like the narrative for the season was so, it was like almost up till Daytona when that rain crash happened. It's like <laughs> everything flipped at Daytona suddenly. And and, and ever since then, it, it hasn't, it has felt like a different season or the tone changed bizarrely and it's continued that way. I just don't, I don't really get it, but it's just, I, I guess I just feel disappointed and, and I, I'm not, I don't know. I don't know that there's, I don't know. You can yell at anybody about it. Um, you know, what what's NASCAR and Goodyear going to do require, you know, go inspect every tire and make sure that they're running a certain air pressure or something like, what are you supposed to do? You, and if, if, if that is the problem, I guess, I mean, maybe that's not the problem in, 
and you know, there, there's other reasons why the tires are blowing, but I, I also think it's, it's not as simple as just saying, well, just inflate it to a certain air pressure. Like Randall Burnett, um, Tyler Reddick's crew chief tonight was saying it's, it's a pretty fine line. Like you're, you're guessing a lot on the combination of things that make, make the car go fast and not blow a tire. I mean, Tyler Reddick two weeks ago, at Kansas, he had the fastest car. He started on the pole. He blew a tire and he said, I don't want fast cars anymore because fast cars blow tires essentially. Right. Um, tonight he had a fast enough car after the other fast cars fell out that he was able to nurse his car to the finish without blowing a tire. But I mean, even Brad Koslowski wins the pole Saturday and he comes in and he goes, yeah, it's going to be tough to manage from the lead and not blow a tire. I'm going to be trying really try to go easy on the tires. I mean, that's, that's the story right now. You don't want, you shouldn't, we shouldn't be in the playoffs with these elite drivers seeing who is the best. And it really comes down to who could just make it to the end of the race and not have something go wrong. That's what this is turning into. Yeah. And it's weird because for me, I'm always somebody who I, I like it when drivers have to manage their equipment and, and manage tires. Like I like tire wear races. I like when it really the onus falls on a driver saying, Hey, you've got a 40 lap run here. It's your job to get those tires to, to lap 40 and, and maintain speed. But to your point, there's a fine line and there's, there's a thing as managing your tires and tire wear to excessively blowing tires and guys spinning out seemingly at random because the tires are inadequate because of maybe, maybe the, maybe the air pressure's off according to Goodyear. But again, if you talk to crew chiefs, they'll tell you, well, you know, we weren't that far off and we were kind of within the window. It's it, that's frustrating. And you want to see drivers rewarded for their abilities and you're not seeing it right now. It feels uh, like a crapshoot in some sense and it shouldn't be that way. It should be a, I'm a good driver knows how to get his, his car to the finish line in one piece and maintain speed. And they're going to be rewarded for it. And now it, it doesn't feel like it. And that's no disrespect to Tyler Reddick who deserved this win, by the way, like he did everything he was supposed to do. And he's a very good race car driver. It's just that this is not, this is not how you want your playoffs to unfold. You want your races, especially on a track like this and an intermediate track, where we have seen great racing all year and guys being able to make moves and, and make passes and go from the back to the front and all those things. You wanted this to be a showcase tonight at, at Texas Motor Speedway to be a, hey, this is what NASCAR is about. And instead, it was just another indicator of, wow, there, there are some red flags across the board for a lot of different things, from the car to the tires to the track. Uh, how are we supposed to respect the champion as – in the hall of champions, sort of, so to speak of all the other greats this year, when it's likely that, you know, it might not be the four best drivers, you know, like we're getting to the point where so many good drivers, things are happening to them. And the, the play, the drivers who are still off the playoffs aren't winning races. Um, and it's probably likely based on what we've seen that when we get to Phoenix, that race might be decided by, you know, some, some contender who goes a little bit too far in their air pressures or something and blows a tire. And, and, you know, that's, I, I just want this. I mean, look, you, you and me are, we're investing our lives in this, right? So you want it to be a credible championship and you want the racing to be credible and reflect what we think is the best drivers and the best teams winning. Um, I just feel like NASCAR has got to really figure out a way. And I obviously it's extremely complicated situation, 
um, to make sure that they're doing that because the drivers feel in general, like they're being more and more minimized. Like this is just too random. Um, and just all across a variety of things with NASCAR right now. Um, I, I feel like that's just, you just don't want to get to the point where people look at the championship. Go, that doesn't mean anything. That's the opposite of what you want. So again, I don't, there's so many things that go into this and it's such a complicated situation, but, um, this has not been a satisfying couple weeks. Um, I, I tend to get a little emotional about it and jump to conclusions when things don't go right. So I'm not going to try to get too far ahead of myself because well, you know, no maybe come on. I'm trying to grow and learn Jordan. No, don't grow and learn. Be the angry, you know, ranting Jeff, you know, he usually drops a rap because he's so angry. maybe not today because your voice sucks, but you know, it's just, um, you know, Talladega is next week and that, that has, that, that has, uh, you know, chaos written all over it and, and maybe not a good way again. Uh, then the Roval, uh, that's another place where stuff could happen. You, I just, this was supposed to be the one race of this round where they could go, just go out and race and do it. And, you know, this control their own destiny. And they didn't get that chance at, at Texas today. Um, yeah, and I hear what you're saying, and I, and I don't largely disagree. I'm not ready to go there yet about how the impact in the championship because uh, let's get let's get there first, and let's see how we get there. Let's see the journey before we start worrying about it. And I go back to two weeks at Kansas. Like Bubba Wallace to me won that race, like fair and square. Like that was a deserving win, and I, I don't have a problem with that. And yeah, some guys had issues, but a lot of it was kind of them pushing it probably some harder than they had to at some points, and. I'm okay with that. You know, Bristol, Bristol is tough. Today was tough. Talladega, you know, we'll see. Um, it, that's a very unpredictable track, and the Roval is going to be who the hell knows, <laughs> you know, honestly. But I, I take umbrage with the fact that, like, I, I never expected this race to go out without any problems because rarely do we have a race at Texas without some kind of issue. You go back to two years ago, and it was weepers, and it was wet on the track, and, you know, and Kevin Hartwick was – should have been the, maybe the champion was bouncing off the wall and ruining his chance to win the championship. And it's just, this race track is not a good showcase for NASCAR. And, and it's just, every time you come here, there's always a concern of like, what is going to happen today? And it's just, that is frustrating. And well, maybe let's I'm, talk about it. Let's talk about it then, because what, what's the solution at Texas? What should they do? Kyle Larson said, blow it up and start all over. What's your solution to Texas? The, 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 the hot rumor is that it's going to be reconfigured into an Atlanta-type track. That's what everybody's been talking about for weeks now, right? Like, that's going to be the, this Atlanta-type track is some variation of that. I, I don't see how that is a winning formula. Like, to me, that is a being a prisoner of the moment and saying, oh, this really worked at Atlanta. It's going to work now. Well, that's fine. It may work now. It may work for next year. But long-term, it's probably not going to have a long-term success. Like, eventually, once that surface ages – uh, and teams figured out you're not going to have the pack racing you want. Drivers don't like it, and you don't want too many tracks like that. If I'm going to, if I'm the Grand Poobah and I get to actually do whatever I want at Texas, how are you not building like a, a clone of Bristol Motor Speedway in Dallas, a hot market with a lot of fans who want to see great racing? Like that would be a great showcase. Like you have, then you don't have to worry about the 
the rules package and everything. And I know right now the next gen car is in the greater than short tracks, but it's very easy to it's it's easier to fix what's wrong with the car on short tracks than it is to try to figure out intermediate tracks because we have seen that problem for years and NASCAR couldn't figure it out. It just seems like building a half mile or three quarter mile racetrack would be the best way to give fans a a better chance to have good racing on a year to year basis. Well, first of all, I, I really hope you're rolling another, your eyes at me. No, 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 I'm not. First of all, I hope it's not another Atlanta. I think everybody's in agreement on that. Another new Atlanta. Um, for instance, I asked the Texas fans at the tweet up today in an informal poll. This is just anecdotally. I know it's not official. <clears throat> what do you want them to do with the track? Do you want it to be another Atlanta? No. Every single person that I asked at the tweet up said they do not want another super speedway Atlanta. Even the Texas fans who go to this race twice a year or now once a year. Um, they would rather either, I mean, most of them just said, can you just fix turn one and two and like put it back how it was? Just keep three and four and just make it to how the old Texas was basically like, would that be a solution? Um, or I mean, you could make it a short track. The problem is when you, this is a pretty big facility, like the map, like the, uh, yeah. the footprint and like, you know, they have that big speedway club tower and you know, like the offices and the condo type stuff. So if you were going to make a short track, like on the front stretch and all those suites and permanent structures there, you, I don't think you'd be able to see the track. So you have to sort of work with what's there. Plus that big Haas, yeah. you know, what do you do with that? I mean, that's a lot of money. That's I, I a know. lot of money. So I, I, I think the best guy thinking, well, I, the, the, the best thing I think would be to just make it into more of a traditional mile and a half again, try to undo what you've done with turns one and two. Um, but then of course you get back to a repave and it's going to take years to get the racing good and get the track aged again. Um, there's really no easy answer, but, um, can I, I throw I, something I, else at you really quick? Yeah. We talk about, and I, and again, I, I agree. My like idea is like pie in the sky and there's a lot of hurdles and it's not realistic. What about a homestead? Like we hear about that all the time. A homestead is like the best mile and a half racetrack. It's a traditional oval in the sense. It's not a quad oval. Like but that's well, a different shape in this track though. That's a different shape already. Yeah. But it works and it, it's a mile and a half racetrack. So you can, you can still have the same kind of size and everything. And you might, you can keep your big Haas scoreboard, which is a big deal. And you can, you know, you can, it's, it's, it's not perfect, but it's probably a better way than going back to the old Texas, which wasn't that great anyway. I know, but I guess my point is like the stands are, the stands are completely configured further back to be like a D shaped oval with a tri oval. So if you're just going to make a straight oval, straight front stretch, like at Homestead, yeah. the stands would be so far away from the track. It'd be like how pit road is or something. You know what I'm saying? You wouldn't have enough. It, you'd have to like change the complete shape of the, of the whole facility. Yeah, I, mean, I understand. I, I think it, to me, if you're going to, if you're going to do this, just do it. Like it, it's going to, you're going to have to tear it down and start from scratch. Like don't try to Jerry rig it. But they're Don't not to going say, to it. Let's be realistic. Yeah. They're not going to, and they're probably just yeah. going to make it into an Atlanta, and everybody's going to be like, "Oh yeah. man!" And it's going to suck. And it's and it's going to be fine for a year or two, and then in a couple of years, they're going to be in the same predicament they're now, and everybody's going to be complaining about taxes, and the fans are probably going to not come like they haven't been coming to Texas, and people are going to be like, "Oh, what are we going to do to fix Texas?" And we're going to be in the same spot we are now. It's like stop. I, I feel like Texas just keeps putting band aids on a a wound that needs major surgery. 
and it's just not working. Yeah. I mean, to me, you know, it, you're, you're asking them to spend a lot of money. Um, I'm asking them to spend a lot of money too, but what's the payoff? What's the reward? Like, what are you going to get so much more attendance out of redoing the track that, I mean, it, it almost is like, would you rather just be like angry fans and just keep running your races there and not, you know, cause like, how are you going to pay that? I mean, it's, they just did this not that long ago is that's a problem. That's a problem when you screw up a track. No, it's, they screwed it's up very lot. hard to undo, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I, I just, uh, it goes with my feeling of sort of discouragement, um, which is a shame because I love the Dallas area, honestly. like It's a great market. It's a great racing market. It's a market that you need to be in. You can't, you can't abandon this market, but I feel like you're continually putting on a product on, on a racetrack that continually, it's, how many, I mean, God, you go back to what you go back to the very first Texas race the, the the configuration was messed up. They had to redo it the next year. Like at some point you, you've got to, you've got to just sit down and like, and, and say, yeah, this is going to suck. And we're going to have to spend a lot of money. But if we actually want to have a race in this market and not have, and not anger our audience, to the point that they're not coming out and look at, I mean, Jeff, what you tell me, what was the attendance like today? Well, it was pretty bad. I mean, it was, it was okay. It was actually a little bit higher than I thought because, um, it was really hot. It was that hot though. I was like, they actually have a legit excuse to sure. have bad attendance today. Cause I would, there's no way I would want to sit in the stands, um, out, out in that time. I mean, it was, it was like sizzling on your skin hot. It was, I can't remember. Maybe the Vegas race that was uh, the first Vegas playoff race that ran in the summertime or whatever. It was like super hot. Um, maybe that one was the last super hot one I can remember that was this bad. But I mean, this was a scorcher. So I can understand. But yes, attendance was not, you know, attendance is not great. But what's what's the reason? You don't, you're not giving people a reason to come. So No, you're not. Um, and it's always an excuse, though. Like today it's the heat. And I don't disagree the heat. I wouldn't want to go sit in that either. But every year it's like, oh, the Cowboys are playing. Oh, no, it's deer hunting season. It's like it's always the reason. Like it's like every year it's like grab bag. Like, oh, this is our reason this year. It's like let's stop coming up with excuses and let's start coming up with reasons to fix this and, and fix it long term instead of just this patchwork thing. Yeah, I hear you on that. I mean, the bottom line is, you know, something they got to do something. Um you know, we all hoped that, you know, we weren't, we were down on Texas, but then we were hoping that the next gen car would somehow save it. The all-star race proved that that wasn't going to happen. And, um, this race today, I mean, I, I saw Dave Moody's tweet where he said that, you know, it's a shame with all the tire issues because the racing was pretty great. Otherwise I, I just respectfully disagree. I didn't think it was, I, I just didn't think it was really good racing. Um, either way. Like I just, it was, a bad combination. Um, and I, I hate to be so negative, but I, I just don't, I don't know. It's, I, I if, if you, they keep coming back here without changing anything, I just don't. Now the problem is it's been brought up to me. IndyCar too, you know, is signed a multi-year contract to keep racing here. So you, you know, do you take into consideration what they do or you just do everything for NASCAR and just say, well, IndyCar, if you want to race here, then deal with what we've built for NASCAR. I mean, the money's NASCAR, though. Let's be honest. I mean, the, the money you get from the TV side on a NASCAR thing is far, far greater than anything you're going to get on the IndyCar thing, and that has to be your priority. That has to be your first, second, and third priority. And if IndyCar can work within that parameters, great. If not, 
we're sorry, but the 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 IndyCar the crowd that used to come out for the IndyCar race doesn't come out anymore either. And let's not act like they're having their own issues at Texas Motor Speedway when it comes to quality of racing because we've talked about that where it their racing there hasn't been very good at all for the last how many years? Well, they had a they had a decent race this year, but I get your point. Um, so decent. anyway, <laughs> let's talk about. Um, I mean, if you don't mind, uh, like let's let's just go into some of the playoff stuff. You know, it's hard to normally, I guess I would, I'd feel like, okay, well, you know, you'd come out of a race like this and you'd say, Hey, this guy really ran really well. Um, or the Toyotas ran really well or Hendrick ran really well. And now they have momentum or now this means this, or now maybe this person's a favorite or whatever, but this race was so uneven. I don't really know where to go with it. Cause the cars that were running well, I guess you could say they were pushing on tire pressure and then they crashed. Um, so what does that mean going forward? I don't know. We're not, you know, Taldega is obviously going to be different than this. Roval's going to be different than this. Um, we're not really going to see it sort of quote real race again until Vegas in the next round. And it goes Vegas, Homestead, Martinsville. That's when it gets really serious. But who, who is sticking out to you right now? I mean, aside from just those who choose to survive it, you know, essentially who who's running well, like who's, I don't even know. Like who, who would you say is your final four? Uh, <laughs> can I put Tyler Reddick in there? Um, I don't know. I mean, I, I, to me, I look at it and I say, Chase Elliott has been running well, but hasn't had the finishes to coincide. He finished that kind of Bristol, which was encouraging was running well today when he had his problems. So I'm encouraged by that. I still have my final four. Denny Hamlin has been fast. He probably had one of the fastest race cars today. Just really didn't have track position at any point. Well, yes. Excuse me. Yes, he did have track position, but then William Byron knocked him yeah. out of his track position, which we'll get to. Yeah, that is bit. true. That's what we need to get into that when we're done here. Cause I got quite we will, we will. that. We will. Yeah, I, so I still have Hamlin there. Larson has come alive. Larson looks much better in recent weeks and is consistently running better. So that's three of my four right there. And then the last spot, I'm not sure, to be honest with you. I, I mean, if you would ask me before today, I would have said Christopher Bell. But now Christopher Bell is going to need two really good weeks. I'm not sure. Logano, you know, Logano's in a good spot points-wise. But I think the really the big thing takeaway from this race today is the fact that Nobody is secure in Talladega and the points are very tight and no one has really kind of have got a margin where they can feel comfortable with where it feels like things are really going to be thrown into a blender at Talladega. It, it always is, but even more so now it's going to be amplified. Let's go through the, uh, the points really quick. Um, because maybe in the chaos of the race or, or whoever, maybe, maybe you guys didn't get to see the points. I know I, I haven't really had a chance to look at them. So Logano's the points leader. He's 30 above the cut line. Chastain's 29 above the cut line. Byron plus 17. Larson plus 16. Blaney plus 15. Hamlin's only plus eight now. Suarez plus four. Elliott is only plus four. So yeah. unlike the last round when he when he you know went out to Darlington and crashed and squandered his mulligan, he he was actually in better shape then. But now with the cutoff for eight, he's much much closer to the line. And all of a sudden, one slip up or one mistake by somebody else at Talladega, and Elliott is is screwed after a great regular season potentially. Um, 
Briscoe's minus four. Now he had a great day today. He he had a twenty fifth place car. He said, and he they end up finishing fifth. So they they really got the track position when they needed it. And you know he said they've got to be a lot better, but he's still in the game. Cindric was going to have a really good day. Uh, he's minus eleven. He was going to have a good day until um, he was trying to avoid you know spinning Stenhouse in front of him, and he had to, had to spin himself. Um, so he ended up finishing, I think, fifteenth or something. But um, you know he was he was going to have a better finish than that. And as you alluded to, Bell is now minus 29. So I write right last week, and we talked about last week, a championship favorite. And now he's pretty much in a must win, um, which he could potentially go win the Roval. You know, he's won on the Daytona road course, but Toyota has been struggling on road courses, obviously. And then Bowman, who was having such a great playoffs, um, you know, to his tire issue, uh, he ends up finishing the race, but he's 30 points back, five laps down he was today. So very unfortunate for those guys. And, and that's what I talk about with the sort of like a lack of a narrative because how do you tell who's good? So, yeah, I guess my final four at this point, um, Logano's doing okay enough, I guess. Um, Chastain, you know, they're, they're doing conservative uh, approaches to the race and their strategy, but he's getting through. They're leaving points and, on the table. And, well, but they're, nobody's messing with him. People seem to have... Not yet. Forgotten no. about their vendettas against him, and he's surviving. Um, you know, I, I guess I'd throw Larson in there, and uh, I still believe in Hamlin, but stuff keeps happening to that team, so I don't know. But yeah, it's uh, it's very tough to tell. I mean, you can't you can't go into this race today saying Chase Elliott is going to have one of his better Texas races ever, but then while he's leading, he's going to blow a tire randomly and wreck out. Like, how can you? How could you possibly see that coming? You know what I mean? The unpredictable has become predictable. That's but the only so way. Can... Is it too much chaos for you? Because your team chaos? Is yeah, it too I mean, much? this is. Yeah, I mean, this crossed the line today. Like this, this crossed the line from wild and unpredictable to like this is this can't happen. Like this was this was dumpster fire bad, where you can't have these kind of issues cropping up and impacting your championship because it does diminish. It does diminish it, the, the quality is diminished, and it impacts the how you how you perceive the playoffs unfolding, and that's not what you need. So, I don't like it. And honestly, I the the Hamlin Byron thing didn't sit well with me either. Um, I, I I didn't like what I heard post race, and you were there, Jeff, from from NASCAR Scott Miller. Right. So, <clears throat> so to recap, uh, Denny Hamlin um, maybe gets a little loose, maybe he's racing a little hard. Whatever happens depending on your view, uh, Byron ends up hitting the wall and he said it was enough to bend his toe link. Um, Byron was mad, obviously. And, uh, I didn't think it was like a blatant sort of incident or anything, but no, it's hard raising. I mean, I guess Lagana was that mad at Byron at Darlington for a similar looking type of incident, sort of putting a driver in the wall a little bit, but so Byron is like, I'm not going to take this. When the caution comes out, the caution was the lights were on for that Truex wreck. And you could see in Byron's in car, he goes up and, you know, hits Hamlin in the rear pretty hard. Now that sends Hamlin spinning through the grass. Byron says afterwards that he did mean to hit him, obviously, but he didn't mean to spin him. I don't know if I believe that. Um, but either way, Hamlin first of all, is arguing, well, I should get my spot back because 
somebody just took me out under caution. That's not cool. Right. And then the other thing is, um, you know, Byron just gets away with it and is just allowed to do that with no penalty. So NASCAR, after the race, their explanation is, bottom line, Scott Miller says, we didn't see it. No excuses. We should have had eyes on it. We should have seen it. And if we had seen it, we either would have given Denny a spot back or put Byron to the back. Now he's leaving the door open for potential point penalties to Byron uh, because of this, because they didn't get to do it in the race. I don't, first of all, that they missed it is bothersome because TV showed several replays. Hamlin was on his radio like crazy. Hamlin and Gabe Hart trying to get her spot back, trying to protest. And NASCAR saying they didn't get to see it. So it went back to green. Um, I guess, you know, NASCAR is up there and they've got a lot going on there. They have all these people watching different stuff, but it feels like sometimes they don't have somebody that's like actually watching the TV broadcast that is like telling sort of the narrative of the race and the story of the race and showing the replays. If they had seen that under caution, they could have made that decision. Um, You know, now here's my thing, Jordan. I I do think Byron should have been sent to the back because you can't, um, you, you can't wreck somebody under caution. That's not, I don't think that's appropriate without penalty. That's not hard racing or anything or, no, you know, across the line. So that's number one. Number two, though, I don't think Hamlin should have gotten his spot back because that's, I mean, that that's, you've, there's a rule about maintaining minimum speed and no matter how it happened, I mean, you can't just like say, well, we'll give you that back because it shouldn't have happened. I, I don't, I don't agree with that. Now it's, Denny pointed out it's a, it's a dangerous precedent. And I, I understand what he's saying because if you do that in Phoenix and you just take out a championship contender, what's to say some, some teammate can't help their other teammate by wrecking somebody on purpose. Who cares if they go to the back? Right. But you would think if that did happen, the consequences for that would be so severe after the race on that organization for NASCAR, like NASCAR, that would be like manipulating the race that would rise to that level sort of, um, so I, I feel like that wouldn't happen. I, I hope, and people would have enough integrity to not do that, but it is, it is something to consider, but that's always been a possibility. But I feel like if you, if you get wrecked under caution, I mean, for whatever reason, I, I think, I don't, I think that just, that it happens. It sucks, but I don't think you should get it your spot happen, back. happen though. Like you're penalizing a guy for, for something he didn't do. I mean, I, Hamlin did nothing wrong. He was maintaining speed. The only reason he didn't maintain speed is because someone veered into him and, and, and crashed him. Like that, you can't penalize him for that. That's that's ridiculous. Like you're you're like, hey, yeah, like you you were doing fine, and then some guy decided to run into you and spin you out. Oh, sorry, you know that's racing. Sorry, that's that's, that's what NASCAR work. does. It's a self policing sport. They say they don't step in on this kind of stuff. So you can't just say you can't well, have guys run each other under caution and spin each other out without penalty. And you can't well, you right. cannot so you penalize the guy that did it. But and I don't, then you cannot say to the guy who got ran and lost the spots. Oh, sorry, that's just the way it is. That he's going to be sent to the back. That's not that's not fair. And then you are, I mean, whether you agree or not, like you are manipulating the finish. Then, like, I mean, it, it's that's what it is. And it got manipulated today because Hamlin. If he would have maintained track position, there's a good chance he's in the mix of the win there, and that that's bothersome. When you when you have a playoff guy who's doing everything he can do and putting himself in position, and all of a sudden he's taken out under caution, and it's just like, eh, that's just the way it is. It's like that doesn't sit well with me. And 
the really thing that really bothered me is the Byron thing. Like, how do you miss that incident in general? Like, I understand Truex crash and that was everything was going on. You can't. You can't that's inexcusable. You can't. You can't. You have to have eyes on the racetrack at all the racetrack, not just one particular thing. And it wasn't like Truex's crash was like this. It wasn't like the Cody Ware crash, like where somebody was injured and there was this, you know, impacting and that kind of thing. It was like it was a pretty contained incident in the grand scheme of things. Like, how do you not have eyes in the racetrack? You have spotters all around the racetrack, right? What are they watching? Like, I, I just that that can't happen. That that is a huge miss. I'll, I'll be honest though, Jordan. I'm I'm not trying to. I'm not. I'm honestly not trying to play devil's advocate here. I'm just honestly saying how I saw it. I was up in the press box still for that incident. <clears throat> I saw the Truex thing happen. And then, you know, the Truex thing happens, he goes spinning. And then I see Hamlin, you know, I look down, I see Hamlin below me spinning through the grass. I honestly thought, oh, were they like related or something like um, in terms of, you know, like, like how the Cindric and um, Stenhouse things were. Like I thought maybe somehow they were related or maybe Denny was trying yeah, to slow down somehow. That's understandable. But so it's, I just think it's your, you see the, the race leader just went into the wall in sort of a big crash sparks blowing out. Um, you're, you're, if you're NASCAR, you're probably in the tower and there, there might even be discussions going on of like, sh like, sh dude, should we finish the race? Should we stop the race? What should we do about this? Oh my God. Tires are going down everywhere. What do we do? Oh my gosh. To, to think, you're going to not look at the race leader crashing and look down and see, oh, is Byron going to come hit Denny Hamlin under caution? Like I, that part of it, I don't, I don't that's think you fine. can expect to have, but, but now the replay part of it. That's what I'm saying. I, you think, had, I just looked, yeah. there was eight laps, eight laps. That caution was eight laps. You had eight laps. Well, like, and I the get fact it. they were protesting too and yeah. the TV and, and showed it. it. That's the part where I think they should and have I agree been with you, able but to like, In the heat of the moment, like you you got everything going on. you got the race leader just crashed. You've got a caution to deal with. You're sending safety workers out there. You've got pit stop. you got everything. I get it. Like it, There's a lot going on. Okay, but that's like a, that's half of that window. You still had enough time there to realize, hey, wait a second. Danny Hamlin's screaming over his radio that the 24 just hit him. Um. And so we like we are if we have to add another caution lap, we're going to figure this out. We cannot have a race where we, this, we let's figure this out to make sure we have a crack. Like take it, take the time to do that. And you can't do it in the heat of the moment. Fine. But you sure as that can do it afterwards. And you had enough window there to do that. And that is where I feel like that was missed. Maybe there needs to be some sort of a system where, you know, like they can a team can sort of like challenge something like a button um, that says, hey, we. Before you go back to green, we we want to make sure you look at this. What you know, happened like, to the, Yeah, I mean, they've got the the what? what do they still have it? I mean, I remember they have they used to have the the, the where they do like pit road uh, penalties and stuff, and guys too, over the wall too quick, like the the officials on the outside area. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, in the trailer. Yeah, in the trailer. Like that that would be a good assignment for them, wouldn't it? Well, they have, they're looking at the pit road cameras that they're not looking at. Okay. But like, there's, there, there, I mean, you already have a way to like add something onto their responsibilities. Like, or add, but I guess my point is they weren't, they weren't listened to at all. Like Hamlin's team was going like this, like, Hey, like they're yelling on the radio. This is not right. Like, you, you know, give us back our spot. And, you know, he did this or whatever. And, and 
like NASCAR says afterwards, you know, we, we didn't get a chance to look at it until it was already back to green. It was too late. Um, I, I almost feel like NASCAR almost needs to add like another official in the booth, even with them. That's, that's like watching the saying. TV like, broadcast. No, like, that, like that, in the booth, not, not even outside in the replay trailer. Sure, that's fine. They do have someone in the booth though, that does mon that is in direct um, connection with the, with the TV booth. I know, There's but watching, show. yes, I know that they're, they're, they're listening. TV, you know, they, they're but, hearing what's going on. But watch the re you know, I don't know. I feel like that's because there's been times before, I guess, when we've had questions from NASCAR and, you know, it's like, well, we're not watching TV. We're not listening to the broadcasters. So we don't, you know, they're, they're calling the race. They don't have time to listen to what Steve Letarte's saying about something. You know what I mean? Um, which I'm just saying, maybe they could have somebody that's just monitoring that. Cause that's a big, that's what fans are. That's what, that's the information being presented to fans. So if your fans are all wondering this and asking about this, obviously the drivers and teams were too, but um, maybe it would help NASCAR just to be like, okay, well, this is a, this is a hot topic. They do and, though. Uh, they already had that person. Like there are, they do monitor what's being said on TV. And that's why we have had okay. instances where like a Scott Miller or somebody has gone over, onto the TV side and explain things. Like, you can go back to Daytona. That's what happened. Well, they weren't, they missed it today then. I mean, they did miss it. Like, I, I, I don't disagree. Like, and it can't happen. That's my point. They're like, it, this is a really, I think we're overthinking this. This is like, this is a really straightforward thing of like having someone have eyes on the racetrack and also having, you know, having a, a sense of, Hey, this is what's going on here. This team is saying that they just got intentionally wrecked in her yellow. Like, let's put two and two together here and let's figure this out. I, I, I don't, it's not that complicated. Okay. That's fair. Um, excuse me. What else should we talk about from this race? Because, um, as I've been chugging water here, uh, I have to pee. So I can't really okay, last much longer. Too on much this information. Podcast. I do not ever, ever want to hear anything about your bodily functions. Ever. That's not too much information. No, it's way too much information. I, I could tell you too much information. This is, that's not it. This this is on my list of too much information. That I have to pee? Okay. Again, I'm good. I we've established that. We don't need to keep reestablishing it. So when someone tells you I need to go to the bathroom, that's too much information. That's fine. No, restroom is fine. I just need to step away. I'm going to the restroom. I don't need to know about particulars or anything else. So you just don't you don't want to know the specifics of why the person's going no, to the bathroom. I don't want to no. Why would I no? I don't want to know the specifics. That's disgusting. It might help you know how long they're going to be in there. Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not putting a stopwatch on them. I don't care. Take your time. What if you're waiting for somebody? What if you're like out at a restaurant or an amusement park or a museum or something, mm -hmm. and the person you're with is like, hey, I got to go to the bathroom. If okay. they don't tell you which kind of bathroom it is, you could be waiting a very short time or a very okay long it. time. Because here's what. I am somebody who incessantly checks my phone. So uh, that is a great opportunity for me to check my phone to get caught so up on everything. it's a free phone break for you. It's they can free, take all the exactly, time they want in there. Exactly. Take as long as you want because then I can check my phone and not feel bad about it. And then when you come back, I can maybe ha you know focus a little bit more on you. So take your time. Okay. All right. Well, that actually makes a lot of sense now that you put it that way. You are a phone guy. <laughs> I am a phone um, guy. <laughs> so. I've heard this uh, a lot lately. Yeah, I've, I've heard about that. Um what uh what will the was it a good race poll be jordan okay is it possible to have negative numbers well um no it's not possible but i i do think that this could challenge for the lowest but i don't think it will get there um, was that, what was the low it was this year right it was 16 percent 
wasn't it? No, no. That this year was the second lowest ever. Um, the for the Martinsville. Lowest? Yeah. The. Oh no, you're right. Sorry, you're right. Yeah. You're totally right. Your memory is great as always. Yes, the Texas All Star race yeah. from this year got eleven percent. Yeah, and I, I think I guessed sixteen because I said to you, "What is the lowest guess in in, in that's in right?" Whole history. Yes, and previously so it had 11. been the Indianapolis, the two thousand six Breakout four hundred was seventeen percent. I think this is going to be lower than the All Star race. I think I think this be add in the add in the fact that the racing was just was what it was, that you had the tire issues and everything that went on. I'm gonna I'm gonna hedge just a smidge. I'm gonna say ten percent. Wow. Wow. 10%. That is really low. It's I mean, incredibly low. But think about this. Like, if this isn't a 10% race, then I don't know what is. So is this the worst race you've seen in the last, since 2016? That's what that's what you're basically saying. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I was having the flashbacks worst, the today. The single worst race. I, I was having flashbacks today, and this is not hyperbole. The, the 2008 Brickyard 400 because that's what it felt like. And Dude, like, when, and for, I really, when people first started talking about that on Twitter, I was like, come on, this is, that's yeah, I felt the same Cause way. I was at like, that I, race and you yeah. know, I was like, nah, this is not like that. By the end of it, like when the Harvick and Truex ones happen, I was like, okay, I could see maybe the yeah. comparisons to it, but that race, the tires wouldn't hold up. It didn't matter what you were doing setup wise. Yeah. The tires wouldn't hold up at all. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, so 10%. Wow. That's really low. I don't think it can get to single digits. I don't know that that's possible. Um, I don't think it will either. I think that's why I think 10% is right in that sweet spot. You know, the, the one thing about this race is it wasn't boring. No, right. It was, there was, not, it was definitely not. That. Um, and it was a over four hour race and you're like, oh. I mean, it was, a you know what show but yeah. i mean i wasn't boring so maybe some people were oddly entertained maybe some of the people who were team chaos like you were going to be like oh sure. no like i i actually like that it wasn't so bad so that's why i'm afraid that uh i'm afraid to make a single digit guess because of that so i think it will actually rate higher than the all-star race but i i think it will rate lower than that brickyard it'll be the second lowest race ever and it will come in at 13%. That's okay. my guess. That's, that's, that's a, you're, you're going to be, I think one of us is going to be like really, really close. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I just don't, people were ready to, people were tweeting that they were ready to smash that no button, like during the race. So I'm, I'm sure they're eager. We'll, we'll I was, this enough. sounds really bad. The, the, the person in me, um, who likes just complete, chaos and like you know anarchy kind of thing i was kind of wondering what would have been like the reaction would have been like if reddick would have lost the tire with like three laps to go and crashed like what that would have the reaction would have been like just 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 because i'm sick like that i was waiting for it honestly i mean yeah i was like he, had, he said he had a vibration yeah i was like oh gosh this is not gonna last you know because every leader was having problems that was like seemed to be the thing but um, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about? I'm sorry. I no, no. We let's wrap it up. We're I think we covered. We hit on all the big things. It's, uh, certainly an eventful race, and Taldega is going to be Taldega is going to be typical Taldega playoff race. It's going to be crazy. Have you looked at the weather for Taldega? I am not. I'm not somebody who looks the weather out like too far out. Like I really don't look at it until like a couple of days at that. The only time uh -huh. I really pay attention to the weather is if 
um, our friend Bob Pockers from Fox Sports starts tweeting about it. Okay, have you watched the news? I yeah, I mean, I, there's a hurricane. I, I yeah, yes, there's a hurricane pointed toward the Gulf Coast and Alabama-ish type area that should be around uh, for the start of the weekend potentially. So, no. All right. Are you ready for a potentially rain short? No, we're getting way too far ahead of ourselves. Again, I worry about things when it's time to worry about things and worrying about a week out is not going to do any of us any good. So just deal with it. That sounds like a good way to look at tire problems for the future. Um, (laughs) Get some rest. Your voice is, uh, your voice is I was just going to say, um, I, first of all, I really apologize for if, if you guys have made it, you know, an hour into the podcast or whatever. And you've had to listen to this voice the entire time. I'm really sorry. I feel bad. It was either like not do the podcast or try to wait a day and see if it worked. See, my voice got better. Um, Like I said, my voice for the tweet up this morning, I spoke to people like it was a little bit strained, but I was projecting my voice. And by the end of the day, like I was trying to ask questions in the microphone to Tyler Reddick and like, I was opening my mouth and like literally nothing was coming out. It was so embarrassing. Tyler, like he saw me when he was leaving the uh, media center and he's like, did you party too much last night? Like what's going on? Yeah. Gluck's got I mean, boots on the ground in Texas. He's, you know, he's going hard. No, I mean, I just, it's just gone. I think the racing gods tried to keep me from talking about this race. They only going to keep you down, my friend. Yeah, it didn't work. Uh, unfortunately for me. Um, anyway, but listen, uh, I, I appreciate you guys for hanging in there with me and my voice will be back to normal soon. Sorry though. Um, I did think about sending Jordan, uh, Slack messages and letting him forcing him to read everything that I was saying. If my voice really couldn't hold up, that would have been really fun. Maybe that'll be a future. No, we're, podcast. Not doing, we're, not, we're not doing it for this race. There was you'd too much to going agree, on. You'd have to agree just to read whatever's on the screen. And I'll be like, I'll tell you what we'll do. You, you've mentioned this before. Cause I had the same kind of like throat issue at Michigan and we'll, we'll do that at some point. This race though, didn't deserve that. Like we deserve right. like, No, I felt like I really wanted to come on and yeah. talk about it. And, but at some know, point, like maybe next summer or whatever, when there's a race, it's just like, eh, whatever. Like we'll have some fun. We'll, we'll do that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be together for Talladega next week. So that'll be fun. And, uh, I hope so anyway. And, uh, Let's let's uh let's all just take like a nice reset and um you know hopefully this thing gets turned around because it it just uh we all deserve in my opinion I don't know why we deserve it but we all just deserve uh to have a better finish to this season after we've invested all our time and energy in watching such a great year we don't want it to see like it end like this so uh hopefully there's better things to come and uh, Talladega lies ahead. So let's see what happens next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we will talk to you next time on The Teardown.